Today is the day that Christians all over the world celebrate the anniversary of one very particular Friday that took place a little over 2,000 years ago. Today is the day we remember and reflect on one of the best days in the history of the entire world. Today is the day that we celebrate Good Friday. But I have a question for you. Have you ever really considered why we call this Friday good? Or do you just assume it's good because everybody has been calling it good for the past 2,000 years? The reason I'm asking this question is because I don't think it's as obvious as you might expect. If you were to simply take a look at what happened on Good Friday, I don't think good would be the automatic conclusion that we would come to. In the Gospel of Matthew, in Matthew chapter 27, verses 1 to 61, we have a detailed description of some of the events that took place on the original Good Friday. And a lot of what we see there doesn't appear to be all that good. Let me try and show you what I mean by simply reading for you the account of Good Friday that we have in Matthew's Gospel. Because it's such a long passage, I'm also going to show the words on the screen as I read to help you keep your attention all the way through. And when I'm done reading, we're going to take a look together at what makes Good Friday so good, even though so much bad stuff happened on that day too. So let me read our text. Here's what took place on Good Friday. When morning came, all the chief priests and elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And they bound him and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate, the governor. Then when Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I've sinned by betraying innocent blood. They said, what is that to us? See to it yourself. And throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple, he departed and he went and hanged himself. But the chief priests, taking the pieces of silver, said, It is not lawful to put them into the treasury, since it is blood money. So they took counsel and bought with them the potter's field as a burial place for strangers. Therefore, that field has been called the field of blood to this day. Then was fulfilled what had been spoken by the prophet Jeremiah, saying, And they took the thirty pieces of silver, the price of him on whom a price had been set by some of the sons of Israel, and they gave them for the potter's field, as the Lord directed me. Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said, You've said so. But when he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things they testify against you? But he gave him no answer, not even to a single charge, so that the governor was greatly amazed. Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to release for the crowd any one prisoner whom they wanted. And they had then a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when they had gathered, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release for you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew that it was out of envy that they had delivered him up. Besides, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him, have nothing to do with that righteous man, for I have suffered much because of him today in a dream. Now the chief priests and elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor again said to them, which of the two do you want me to release for you? 
And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, then what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? They all said, let him be crucified. And he said, why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, let him be crucified. So when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took water and washed his hands before the crowd saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. And all the people answered, his blood be on us and on, and on our children. Then he released for them Barabbas and having scourged, scourged Jesus, delivered him to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters and they gathered the whole battalion before him and they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and put a reed in his right hand. And kneeling before him, they mocked him saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and put his own clothes on him and led him away to crucify him. As they went out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. They compelled this man to carry his cross. And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull, they offered him wine to drink mixed with gall. But when he tasted it, he would not drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. Then they sat down and kept watch over him there. And over his head, they put the charge against him, which read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the son of God, come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes and elders mocked him saying, he saved others. He cannot save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now if he desires him. For he said, I am the son of God. And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, this man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the other said, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. When the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, truly, this was the son of God. There were also many women there looking on from a distance who had followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him, among whom were Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Joseph and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. When it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph 
who also was a disciple of Jesus. He went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate ordered it to be given to him. And Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen shroud and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had cut in the rock. And he rolled the great stone to the entrance of the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were there sitting opposite the tomb. All of that happened on Good Friday. Now, do you see what I mean when I say that this, does, this day doesn't seem all that good at first glance? It's not super obvious why we call this particular Friday good. On Good Friday, we see that the day got started with an innocent man who was pronounced guilty and sentenced to death by the religious leaders. That innocent man was Jesus. And that doesn't seem good. Isn't it bad when innocent people are sentenced to die? On Good Friday, we see a man who was so overwhelmed with guilt that he committed suicide. That's what happened to Judas Iscariot on Good Friday. Suicide is devastating. Whenever it happens, whoever it happens to, it's not good. It's bad. Most of us know a little bit about Judas' story. He wasn't a very good guy. He betrayed Jesus and delivered Jesus over to die. And he did it for 30 pieces of silver. But Jesus tells us to love everyone, even our enemies. That means we shouldn't wish harm on anyone or rejoice when bad things happen to them. We should even sympathize with their struggles. Can you imagine for a second the, the weight of the guilt and the shame that gnawed away at Judas to the point that he couldn't take it anymore? It was so bad that it drove him to take his own life. And have you ever thought about Judas's family? his mom, dad, any brothers or sisters he may have had? Have you ever thought about how Judas's suicide would have affected them? However which way you slice it, Good Friday wasn't a good day for Judas or for the people that he left behind. On Good Friday, we see that a woman suffered terribly because of a dream. In verse 19, Pilate's wife said this to him, have nothing to do with that righteous man, speaking of Jesus, for I have suffered much because of him today in a dream. Suffering much because of a dream? That doesn't sound pleasant, but that suffering happened on Good Friday. On Good Friday, we see a wicked and guilty man released to the crowds instead of Jesus. And I'm referring to Barabbas. Do you want to to know why Barabbas was in prison in the first place? Luke tells us in his gospel, In Luke chapter 23, verse 19, we are told that Barabbas was a man who had been thrown into prison for an insurrection started in the city and for murder. Barabbas was a convicted murderer. And if we have any sense of justice inside of us, we cry out against the idea where guilty murderers are released and innocent people suffer instead. But that's exactly what we see happen on Good Friday when we see Barabbas being released to the crowd instead of Jesus. It should have been Jesus who was released. Jesus should have been free to go. Barabbas was the guilty one. But Barabbas was spared and Jesus was killed. That doesn't seem good. That seems bad. On Good Friday, we see the people who Jesus came to save cry out for him to be crucified. Jesus spent three years going all over Israel, teaching from town to town, village to village, healing thousands of people and telling them the good news about the kingdom of heaven. 
Some of the crowd who was there that day on Good Friday probably had a story of their own where Jesus either healed them or someone they knew. Jesus had healed that many people. He spent his life ministering to his people, and at the end of it all, they returned the favor by crying out with one voice, crucify him, crucify him. Not a good way to respond to the Messiah who has come to save you. That doesn't seem good. That seems bad. On Good Friday, we see Pilate hand Jesus over to die so that Pilate could save his own life. I hope you know that's why Pilate did what he did. He wasn't being noble with the whole washing of the hands thing. He was saving his own skin. At this point, there was a riot brewing. And if Pilate couldn't keep the peace in this part of the Roman Empire that was under his jurisdiction, then he'd have to answer to Caesar. And that would not have turned out well for Pilate if there was a riot under his watch. If Pilate released Jesus, there would have almost been a riot for sure. But if Pilate handed Jesus over to be killed, he would prevent that riot from starting and thus save himself from having to answer to Caesar. So to preserve his own well-being, Pilate handed an innocent man over to death to keep a potential riot at bay. Pilate reasoned to himself that there was no other way around it. There's nothing good about that. It's not good to choose to do the wrong thing to benefit yourself. It's good to do the right thing regardless of what it might cost you personally. But Pilate thought he could simply wash his hands of Jesus. It wasn't good what Pilate did that day, but we still call that day good. On Good Friday, we see Jesus mocked and tortured at the hands of a Roman battalion, and then they crucified him. And on Good Friday, we are told that while he hung on the cross, the Son of God was forsaken by the Father. All these things happened on one day. And after we finish reading what happened on that day, we decide to call this day good. It doesn't seem all that good when I put it that way, does it? And herein lies the rub. That Friday was good. It was so, so good. It's probably the single best Friday that has ever happened. And so how do we look at these events that happened and reconcile them with the idea to call this Friday Good Friday? What is good about Good Friday? That's the question I want to answer for you now. I'm going to draw your attention to three different scenes that took place on Good Friday. And when we see these three scenes, the way that God would have us see them, I think then we will be able to understand how good Good Friday really is. Okay, scene number one. I want you to imagine in your mind, if you will, the scene where Pilate presents Jesus before the crowds and gives them an opportunity to have Jesus released. Picture that scene in your mind. And what happened? Did the crowds choose to have Jesus released to them? No, they chose to have a notorious prisoner named Barabbas released to them instead. It was Barabbas who walked away that day a free man. And it was Jesus who walked up the hill to Golgotha where he was crucified. On that day, a man who deserved to die was set free. And a man who didn't deserve to die was killed. 
And when we look at the scene where Barabbas was set free instead of Jesus, we realize that a gross injustice was done that day. What happened that day was wrong. It wasn't right. It was bad. It wasn't good at all. Or was it? I think that the goodness that we can see in this scene depends on what perspective you or I use when we look back on it. There was one person who would have looked back on that scene that day and said, you know what? (laughs) Yeah, that was a really good day. A really good day for me anyway. Who would have said something like that about this day? Barabbas. Barabbas. Good Friday was a really, really good day if you were Barabbas. Can you imagine the response Barabbas got when he showed up at home that day to everyone's surprise? Barabbas, is that you? Shouldn't you be in prison or dead by now? Barabbas would be like, yeah, that's the way it was shaping up and it wasn't looking too good for me. But then get this, Pilate gave the people a choice who they wanted to see set free. And it was between me and this guy named Jesus that some people thought was the Messiah. And those idiots chose me. Can you believe it? I can hardly believe it. I'm still pinching myself. This is the best day of my life. I was going to die, but now I'm alive. Barabbas was supposed to die, but he got to live instead. And why did he get set free that day? Because someone else was chosen to die instead of him. Barabbas got to live and Jesus went on to die. This scene gives us a picture of the gospel. That is a picture of the good news if there ever was one. Now, if you look back on this scene and placed yourself in the story, who do you think you are? When we look at the scene that took place on Good Friday, we have to realize that we are Barabbas in the story. All of us. We're the ones who are guilty and who deserve to die. We deserve to die because of our sins. The Apostle Paul says this in Romans chapter 3, verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And he goes on to say this, Paul, in Romans 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death. You see, Barabbas stood guilty before a human court. We all stand guilty before a heavenly court. We've all sinned against God. And if we all got the justice that we deserved, we would all pay for our sins in hell forever. But just like Barabbas did, we too have received the opportunity to walk away free while someone who didn't deserve to die ends up dying instead of us in our place. Jesus died instead of Barabbas that day. And on the cross, Jesus died instead of all of us. The Bible tells us that while on the cross, the perfect, sinless Son of God hung there, while the sins of the entire world were placed upon him. And when the sin of the world was on him, the Father crushed Jesus in place of us. In place of us. For us. We can escape the judgment that we deserve from God. We can live forever and instead of dying forever, we can do this by turning from our sins and trusting in what Jesus did for us on the cross. We do this by believing in Christ and in what he did. We have a way out. 
And if you choose to believe on Christ and turn your life over to him, you too will escape the justice you deserve. You can experience for yourself what Barabbas experienced on Good Friday. Good Friday was a good day for Barabbas because of what happened to Jesus. And Good Friday is a good day for everyone who has ever lived because of what happened to Jesus. That's scene number one. Here's scene number two. The second scene from Good Friday that I want you to imagine in your mind is the scene where we see Jesus hanging on the cross. There's so much good to see in this scene. Picture it with me. Jesus had been mocked, tortured, and crucified, and now the Son of God hung on the cross. It was a physically, uh, emotionally, mentally brutal way to die. The cross all by itself was unbearable. But I want to draw your attention to what was said to Jesus while he hung on the cross. While Jesus was on the cross that day, people continued to hurl insults at him and they continued to mock him. They did this by suggesting that he should save himself if he actually could. Let me read verses 39 to 44 from our text for you one more time. And it says, And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the son of God, come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes and elders mocked him saying, he saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now if he desires him. For he said, I am the son of God. And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. Now, for the record, Jesus could have easily done what they were taunting him to do. They were telling him to save himself. And Jesus could have saved himself that day if he chose to. There's absolutely no doubt that he could have. If we flash back from this scene to only a few hours before this, to the scene in the Garden of Gethsemane that took place on the very night before Good Friday, when Jesus was being arrested and Peter tried to defend him, Jesus said these words to Peter in Matthew chapter 26, verse 53. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? Jesus was basically saying this to Peter. Peter, none of these things is happening against my will. I am choosing to let these things happen to me. I am letting them arrest me. My angels will come the instant I summon them. And all this mess would be cleaned up real quick. All of it could have been over at any moment that Jesus decided it was enough. Jesus could have ended it all in the garden on the night before And Jesus could have easily come off that cross on Good Friday when he was taunted to do it. But he didn't. He didn't summon the legions of angels that were at his disposal. He didn't obliterate everyone that opposed him. He let them mock him. He let them spit in his face. He let them torture him. He let them put a scarlet robe upon his tattered body. He let them put a crown of thorns on his head. He let them drive the nails into his hands and into his feet. He let them crucify him. And Jesus waited until the very end while hanging on the cross with some of his final breaths. He uttered the words, it is finished. He let them do everything they did to him until it was all done. 
Jesus didn't save himself like he was mockingly told to do, even though he could have. But what if he did? Have you ever thought about that? What if Jesus responded to the taunts he received that day when they said to him, save yourself? What if Jesus was like, okay, and then he did it? What if he came off the cross and walked away that day and he didn't die there on Good Friday? I'll tell you what that would have done. If Jesus saved himself from the cross that day, that would mean that heaven would never have any human beings in it, ever. You and I would never get to be in heaven. Nobody would be. We'd all be lost forever. If Jesus didn't die on the cross for our sins, then at the end of our lives, we would have only one option available to us. Our only option would be to stand before the judgment seat of God, give an account for our sins, and then pay for our sins forever in hell. That would be our only option if Jesus didn't die on the cross that day. But because Jesus died for our sins on the cross, We have another option now. Now we have a choice. Now we can choose to have Jesus be the one to pay for our sins on our behalf. That's the choice that God has made available to a sinful humanity. And if you choose to place your faith in Jesus, then you will have your sins forgiven. And now the only thing that would have kept you out of heaven is gone from your life. Your sins are gone and paid for. Like the lyrics of the old hymns say, Jesus paid it all. If Jesus saved himself that day and didn't die on the cross, everyone would be in big, big trouble. But he chose not to save himself so that we could have the option of being saved. And that is good, good news. Jesus didn't save himself on Good Friday and he didn't so that he could save us instead. Good Friday was a very good day for sinners like you and me. That's scene number two. Let's go to our third and final scene. This third and final scene of Good Friday I I want us to see together is the scene where Jesus' dead body is lying in the tomb. Again, up front, this doesn't seem too good. It doesn't seem good because the light of the world was snuffed out by darkness. The one who said of himself, I am the way and the truth and the life is not alive anymore. He's dead. This doesn't seem good, but it's so good. This dark scene is so good because it set the stage for the greatest display of power and hope the world has ever seen. This scene on Good Friday set the stage for the scene that would take place on Resurrection Sunday. In only a matter of days, Jesus wouldn't be dead anymore. He died on Good Friday, but he was coming to life on Easter Sunday. Because Jesus died and was laid in the tomb, he was in a position where he could conquer death by resurrecting from it and walking out of the tomb. Death used to win. It used to have the final say. When people died, they had this habit of staying dead. Death is one of the consequences of sin. But Jesus is the champion of life. Jesus dealt with the sin problem on the cross and then he defeated the death problem when he rose from it, overpowering it and overcoming it, never to taste the sting of death again. But Jesus couldn't conquer death 
unless he died first. He had to enter the jaws of death in order to dismantle it and walk away from it victorious. And that's, what's hap- that's what happened on Good Friday. The son of God died and was laid in a tomb. And then on Sunday, he would rise forever. We're going to spend some time looking at Jesus' resurrection in a couple days uh, on Easter Sunday. But for now, know this. Any good that we see in Good Friday is only good because Jesus rose from the dead on Sunday. None of the goodness we've looked at here in this message is good news if Jesus' body is still rotting in the grave somewhere. Christianity stands or falls on whether Jesus rose from the dead or not. And only because of the resurrection can sinners receive forgiveness of sins and eternal life with God as a gift a gift that cost us nothing, but a gift that cost God everything. That, my friends, is good news. That, my friends, is why we call Good Friday good. Good. Amen? Amen. Will you pray with me? Let's pray. Father, we worship you. We worship you for Good Friday. For you so love the world that you gave your one and only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Good Friday is the goodest day that we've ever known because on it you made a way for sinners to receive mercy, sinners to receive forgiveness. On Good Friday, you showed your love to the world in that one act, when that one display of grace. You died for us. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Right now, I pray for my brothers and sisters, Lord, for Christians around the world. I pray, Lord, that this reality of Good Friday would not be a doctrine that we ever uh, simplify or think is elementary or think that we graduate from and go to deeper, deeper doctrines and deeper dives into theology. Lord, I pray that you'd let the cross of Christ be emblazoned on our minds and in our hearts. Let us never think that we've mastered the glory and the majesty of the cross, But in it, Lord, when we meditate upon the cross and your love that was poured out there, in that we have for us the root of all of our joy, the root of all of our satisfaction, the root of all of our peace, the root of all of our power in the proclamation of the gospel is found in the cross, is found in the gospel. Lord, let your people preach the gospel to ourselves over and over and over that we would be built up in our most holy faith, remembering how much you love us. But let your people, Lord, be built up in their most holy faith with this gospel, with Good Friday emblazoned on our hearts and our minds so that we are prepared and equipped to go into a lost, dark, sinful, and broken world and tell everyone this news that God loves them so much that he died for them. Mobilize your church to that end, we pray, God, because of Good Friday. And Lord, right now as the church, we pray, If we have any friends amongst us right now watching this message, hearing this message of the goodness of Good Friday, and they still haven't received forgiveness of sins, they haven't trusted in you, they haven't believed in you, they may be hearing this for the first time, they might be hearing this for the 10,000th time, if it's the first or the millionth time, Father, we pray right now as the church that you would save sinners right now. Lord, that you would let their sin crush them under the weight of them, that they realize how hopeless they are to save themselves, that they would see what they deserve. But Lord, open the eyes of their heart that they can see you 
and see what you did on the cross and see you beckoning them to come and lay down their sinful life and take up your life instead. Lead them, Lord, to to reject their life and trust you for forgiveness of sins and everlasting life. Let them simply come to you and ask you, Lord, for forgiveness, and you will grant them forgiveness and everlasting life. Save sinners right now, we pray, Lord. Do that this Good Friday, we we pray. And if anyone says yes to that invitation, Lord, your word tells us that the angels in heaven are rejoicing when one sinner turns in repentance. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We pray all these things, Jesus, Lord Jesus, in your sweet, in your powerful, in your most amazing name. Amen. 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 Hey, thanks for being with us for this study. Before you go, I want to invite you to our online services. They're updated every Monday afternoon, but you can stream them all week on Facebook, YouTube, and our website at mynewhope.ca slash online. If you've never given your life to Jesus, then you need to go to mynewhope.ca slash gospel right now. You'll find a short video where we share the best news you'll ever hear in your life. It's more important than whatever else you're doing, so go there right now. If God has blessed you through this message, we'd love to hear about it. Shoot us an email at info at mynewhope.ca and let us know how God has impacted your life through His Word. If you'd like to support the Bible teaching ministry of New Hope through financial giving, you can also do that through our website at mynewhope.ca slash give. And finally, we want to invite you to follow our Facebook page at facebook.com slash mynewhope.ca for all the latest updates and encouragements throughout the week. We love you, Uppercase C Church. Be blessed.